Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Education Conversations. Let's welcome our A-team guest, uh, Mr. Basil Manuel, who's Executive produ- uh, executive Director at Naptosa. Basil, thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Patricia, good evening, and it's a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. I'd like us to start off from our last conversation when schools were reopening um, for inland on the 12th of January, for coastal on the 19th of January, um, and the rotational timetable was something that you as NAPTOS and other unions were saying, no, you need to sit down, go back to the drawing board with the basic uh, Department of Education and see how you can remove this rotational um, timetable for the benefit of the students. So you had a meeting. Uh, how, what transpired during this meeting? What were the outcomes? Patricia, yes, thanks. And then that is where we were then. And we then subsequently met with the scientists. Remember I said we would be meeting with Professor Mardi uh, to, to get scientific reasons and to see that we are being backed up by the science. And that's, that is exactly what he said to us, that there is no good reason any longer to keep uh, the rotational uh, learning scenario going. And uh, he agreed that uh, the, the losses are just far too great. And, of course, that was backed up by the fact that there's very, very high what he called zero immunity, and that is immunity that came from either the vaccines or the large number of people that actually had COVID. And so the immunity levels are very high in the community, and that is why they have had such a relatively low um, fourth wave. You know, it, it, it has not been severe. There were, whilst many people infected, wasn't severe. Take that to the schools, and then it will tell you that schools are far safer than we originally thought. Now, that was just confirming what we were already saying. And then, of course, we've now taken this to the ministry as well. And in turn, that must go to the command council and all the other structures. Now, the Minister of Education, uh, Minister Mocheha, has made a few uh, pronouncements already on the matter that she is fully behind the idea and would like to see that happen. But, of course, it can't happen outside of the uh, command council and cabinet because, remember, this falls under the Disaster Management Act. So we are now playing the waiting game. We believe that in the next two weeks, uh, two to three weeks, this decision would have to be would would have been taken already so it's a wait and see game until response comes from the, the department of basic education and we are a little impatient about it patricia but yes that is the upshot Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, for the past uh, two weeks, if not so, students have been going on these rotational uh, timetables. How has it been working for students and educators, Basil? Now, Patricia, I need to add that, yes, they've been back many, many schools. Unfortunately, once again, it's our poorer schools. Unfortunately, when we say poor, we are talking about our uh, black schools, the schools in the townships, whether they be colored townships or Indian townships, black townships, it doesn't matter. Those are the people that are impacted on the most. And uh, that is why we need to get this fixed. There are a number of schools, however, that have decided 
irrespective of what's happening, they're taking their learners back. And a number of schools have started doing that simply because nothing prevents them from doing it, um, but they've got to give notice that they are doing that. And we've been encouraging them to, to now start making the plans because it's not just deciding on a day. Every school has to make plans for its timetabling, uh, ensuring that the teachers are ready for this. It, it's a mindset change because, remember, there are people that will be fearful in schools, that will see this as a threat, notwithstanding all the assurances we are giving. And we've got to try and take all those folk with us. And uh, we hope that this is exactly uh, where we are going now. Well, let's uh, come to the more um, uh, more highly anticipated uh, issue of uh, the National Senior Certificate Examination results that came out uh, this past week. I mean, we were all nervous. So the class of 2021 was a class that endured a lot of challenges, uh, COVID-19, um, you know, just too much, too much for them to handle. However, they've done us proud and you as Naptosa have issued out a statement. Yes, absolutely, Patricia. Look, um, we are we are somewhat surprised. We we didn't expect a huge improvement. Neither did we expect it to crash. Uh, so it's more or less where we where we were hoping that it would be, and we were pleasantly surprised by the 02 percent increase in in in, uh, in results. And, of course, it's also the quality of results that we've got to look at. So we are very proud of what people have done. And remember, this is a large group of people. The resilience of our children, we must first acknowledge, because we sometimes sell them short. Number two, it is also the, um, the teachers who gave up so much, uh, weekends, holidays, and the like. And then, of course, our parents. Because, you know, when your child is in the trick, you're automatically in the trick all over again. And they made sacrifices, huge sacrifices. So we are justifiably proud of them. We're happy. There are issues that uh, we, we want to raise. Um, and if I may, we've got to look at uh, the quality of our passes. They have improved too, but now we... We want all the learners back so that we can work on that. Secondly, Patricia, um, in reality, we are celebrating the, um, the academic passes of children. Now, if you accept that research tells us that about 60% of, of children throughout the world in schools are not academics, they are children that fall into a variety of categories, including uh, your children that, that may need uh, a little more assistance or the children that are more tactile, work with their hands more and are, would, would fare much better. If you consider that those children in South Africa have actually passed the academic exam, then the children in the bottom rungs have actually done far better than we give them credit for. And our plea is let's celebrate all our children, our academic children, our academic technical children, our special needs children, and then those in the middle there who are 
Education Conversations. We do apologize for that, A-Team, as gremlins in our system. So uh, we had to go for a quick break, but uh, Mr. Basil Manuel is still uh, giving us an update on what's happening with the grade 12 learners who have recently passed. Mr. Basil Manuel, thank you very much for staying with us. Please do continue with your thoughts. Uh, just to round that particular point up, um, we need to be celebrating all our children of different levels. Um, at this moment, we've got to promote more technical education, which is, of course, a very academic exercise as well. But our technical children, if we want to compete in the 21st century with all the countries out there, we've got to have more children skilled in the technical field that can go further to study in technical fields. So there is a mountain to climb, especially because we need to start catering for our different uh, types of, of uh, children or different ability groups of our children. So, Basil, how can we then better support our our learners for 2022? Because we are still faced with the same challenges that we had last year. There isn't much difference except for the fact that we are no longer on a harsher lockdown level, but they're still doing rotational learning. Um, they're still highly dependent on, on, you know, what the education department will say. How can we best equip them so that we can see better gains in all our learners? There are two things, Patricia. Number one, uh, everybody focuses on the exit here. So let's start with the exit here. Matric. I pointed out the last time that the, the matriculants of 2022 would have 50% of grade 11 and 50% of grade 10, which meet, leaves them with even bigger deficits than the 2021 matriculants. There is nothing else we can do but to put shoulder to the wheel bring them in as often as we can, extend days sometimes, teach during the weekends and the holidays, because they at the end, they don't have the time to catch up. We've got to create the time. And the only way you create the time is to make more of it. So that is unfortunately where all our matric teachers are sitting. There's a realization that more of what we had in 2021, far more intensely, However, for the others, now getting them back full-time is first priority. Second priority is assessing the gaps. And then, whilst we are busy with the work of the year, is to start filling in those gaps. The further back the children are in, in the progression between grade 1 and grade 12, the more time you have to fix the gaps. But as you are closer to the exit point, the less time you have, obviously. So we are saying let's fix the junior primary as a matter of absolute priority. Ensure that no child is leaving grade three that cannot read and write. And I'm saying grade three. I'm not saying grade one and two because, in fact, we are sitting with grade threes now that are still unable to read a simple sentence. Then we've got to ensure when it comes to teachers in the primary school that we are equipping more teachers to be able to teach reading. Uh, Patricia, you will appreciate that reading is a skill that uh, some people can teach. Not everybody can. If you take your, your top math teacher in matric, he can't teach reading or she can't teach reading. It's a specialist um, skill. 
that we see in, in the lower primary schools. And these are the things that we've put on the table. These are the things that the department is working with us on because it's a mountain that we are climbing. But we've got to fix the problem in the lower end as quickly as possible so that those children are not disadvantaged in the long term. And how do you address the children who have not passed very well and those who have not passed at all? Patricia, um, a lot of our children can hardly claim to have passed well. Mm. Um, simply because, and I'm talking about all, everybody that was on the, the reduced curriculum as well as uh, on, the, on the rotational learning. You don't really know how much they know because they've had a very limited exposure. We've got to accept it was unusual times and people, we could not keep everybody back. Neither is it desirable. I'm totally opposed to children failing in the system. Uh, It's no longer the world standard. What we have to do, however, is we've got to create the opportunity to fill the gaps. We don't have to reteach everything. It is the gaps the building blocks that we need to go from one grade to the other that we need to fix. And it'll differ from school to school. It'll differ from teacher to teacher. Some people have taught more. Some schools have done more. Some have done less. But everybody needs to reach a particular point. Now the big task is identifying for everybody what the building blocks are so that you are not teaching something that is in fact, not completely essential. Most definitely. We need to make sure that uh, we are teaching what is essential, what is um, related to international standards, especially if we are moving into the fourth industrial revolution when it comes to careers. And, uh, you know, with the, the grade 12 learners who have made it through going to various tertiary institutions, Basil, are they ready? I mean, pass rate, it was, you know, you only need to get your basic 33% and you're okay. Are these children ready to face the higher education institutions and the demands? Let me first disagree with you about the 30%. I'm pro 30%. <laughs> no, that's not exactly true wow. as I'm putting it. <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> I want people to understand me correctly. No, it would be great if we had a 50% pass mark. But in the current regime where you have uh, all your children doing an academic uh, uh, metric, you can understand that we would fail more than 50% of the children. But, but Basil, if we take it back, if we take it back, I mean, when it's not that long ago, I know I'm quite old, I'm a, probably a fossil when these young kids look at me, but in 2003, when I was in grade 12, there was no such thing as a 30% uh, pass rate. And if you were on, low, on, on a standard grade and you could not be converted to lower grade, you were failed. Especially if it was uh, Patricia, subjects. no, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Higher grade, the pass mark was 40%. Standard grade, grade the pass mark was 33,3%. And if you could not be converted to lower grade, you were failed? Yes, yes. And now, of course, if you are below 30%, you will fail. But let me say this. Um, we have a large number of children that are doing maths, as an example, mm-hmm. that will pass at 30%. Now, the question is, is it better to have a 30% maths pass or a maths literacy pass of 50%? The answer is, 
a pure mass opens more doors even at 30%. Mm. So, Patricia, what we are saying is that we've got children. There are, they are medical doctors that you and I can walk to and knock on their door. And they have at least one of their subjects at 30%. And which, was, which subject was that? Very often, the second language. Sure. Where they were high flyers, had A's for everything else, or sevens, as they say now. And then, for one subject, that language that they couldn't master, they got 30%. Now, could we have kept that child back? What, what I'm saying is, it's a means to an end now. If we change our system, as is on the cards, because we've been talking about this three streams model for very long, where we're going to look at the academic and the technical child, and then we look at the special needs child, and we also have to look at the child that is, is more tactile. So if we have that, then of course you can up for your academic children the pass marked to 50%, but you can't do that now. But are they ready for university was your question. You know, one of the, um, one of the strange things about uh, COVID and resilience is that COVID has made more of our children independent because they've had to work more on their own because of the large gaps when we could not get back to class when we had the hard lockdown. They've had more homework than ever before because rotational learning has forced that on us. So we are sitting with a cohort of children that has worked more on their own than any other group before that. So are they ready? Probably better than most of the groups before. Well, I'm glad to hear this. It brings hope to uh, the parents and students who are going to be uh, in the class of 2022. Basil, thank you so very much for joining us. And you, you bring hope and light to us. It seems that there, there, there is something to look forward to at the end of this tunnel. Absolutely. Patricia, always a pleasure. You'll be safe. And goodbye to your listeners as well. Bye. Thank you very much. That was uh, Basil Manuel, who's Executive Director at Naptosa. A-teamers, we are going to get into social conversation, talking about something very related, because we know that some students have not managed to obtain a pass in their grade 12. But not only students, us as adults, um, you know, we, we've tried certain things. We've not managed to achieve them. And some people say failing is a big experience. But how do we find inspiration after experiencing failure?